Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Invoking Witchcraft. I am Britton, one of your co-hosts, also known as Archaic Honey, on the Instagrams, and I am here with... J. Allen Cross, also known as at Oregon Wood Witch on Instagram. And how are you doing, Jay? How has your week been? I have actually been pretty good. I am doing a lot of writing, and I know that you are as well. Um, and it's it's very much reinforcing the fact that I need an actual desk office chair. Because right now I have like an old piano bench that I'm sitting on, and which I'm just currently writing for hours while sitting with the posture of a shrimp. Um, attempting to get these down. And, you know, that's that's not good for you, as it turns out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a really old rickety chair, too, that I sit in for all my writing. And I have a pillow underneath me. And it's like, it's got food stains on it. It's it's really not as romantic as folks think when you're in your, you know, your writing hole and, like, doing all the work. Uh, my my desk looks beautiful. I cleaned it up, did some spiritual housekeeping, house cleaning, and it's all fresh. I got a beautiful order from a Madame Pamita's Parlor of Wonders. I got uh, some candles. Ooh. Yeah, so I am like ready, set to go into my writing. And the book is going well. I'm hoping uh, to get it done early. Uh, dare to dream. I know. <laughs> All right, everybody, we have a very exciting episode for you today. Um, We are bringing on a member of my own paranormal investigation team, um, someone who I've had some very fascinating conversations with in haunted places um, about things that come out of the forest. Uh, I know that we are a witchcraft podcast, but we like to go off-roading every now and again. And today we we are going to the forest talking about Bigfoot and, and maybe other things as well that come with that. So I would like to introduce uh, Terry Cook. How are you doing this morning, Terry? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. I'm very excited to have you here. Um, and it's nice, too, to have people who are part of my investigation team come on the podcast as well, um, because I love all of you. And you've been on the team with us for several years now, haven't you? It's been a while. Uh, it's been a little while. I'm not sure exactly how long. I've been investigating for about 10 years. Wow. So our topic today is kind of um, Bigfoot related, because I know that you do go out into the forest and kind of see if, if you know, there can be contact made uh, in this way. But your approach is a little bit different. I, I think on TV and things like that, we see a lot of this kind of hunting portion where you go out and people are knocking on trees and whistling and setting traps and, and doing all that. But you have um, a, a slightly different way of going about it. Can you tell our listeners kind of how this how this works okay well we don't do any of that <laughs> um, we discourage it in fact mm-hmm. um, what we do um, it's a group of experiencers I would say people anyone can do this so yeah people go out in the woods um, to camp just like plan a regular camping trip and we go about four times a year in the warmer months and uh, we set up our camp. There could be 
10 people there. There could be 25 people, depending on who can show up. And uh, basically, we do everything you would do when you go camping. We build a campfire. We eat together. We laugh, uh, tell stories. Um, we also drum at night around the campfire. And um, one of our ladies goes around and sages all of our our camp spots, um, all the areas that we're going to be in, and, uh, you know, just try to neutralize uh, our presence there. And, um, yeah, we, we don't go out and, you know, search for Bigfoot. We make ourselves available for Bigfoot to come to us, and yeah. it does happen. <laughs> And often in unexpected ways. Um, yeah, it's not always a scream or a howl or a track. Um, Bigfoot lets us know uh, they're there in many different ways. Mm. That's wonderful. And that, that openness in a group setting can really cause so much. And, and that's kind of similar to when you're doing a seance or any sort of thing. But this simple willingness to have an experience together really yeah. opens things up. And, and I think that that's an interesting part of it. So, so how did you first get interested in this? You know, was there something that you saw or read as a kid or, or how did you yeah. kind of end up here? Exactly. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, my parents had a lake house. We called it a camp house way down in the woods of East Texas. Um, and uh, there was nothing to do down there for me and my sister when we were kids. You know, we came from Houston to go to the woods and spend the weekend. And so we would stop by my grandmother's house who lived up in that area. And she would read the National Enquirer. And I don't know if you remember back in the day, National Enquirer used to have like Bat Boy on the, the front page or sasquatch or any kind of weird thing and i just devoured that uh so that was probably my first um the first thing i knew about bigfoot came from the national Enquirer, which now i know i shouldn't have read that if i wanted <laughs> to know about bigfoot but uh yeah that's how it started and we would uh all through my childhood we went there on the weekends uh, sometimes for a couple of weeks and we would hear things out in the woods. And uh, I remember one time we did hear something that I now know is a howl. Um, and we were sitting around our campfire and we asked my dad, what was that? And he said, oh, don't worry about it. It's a panther. And there are panthers down there in the woods. but. Now I know it wasn't a panther. We often heard stuff in the woods down there that um, it could have been anything. But now that I know some of the things I know, I think it probably was Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever you want to call it. So that started my interest. And, uh, you know, you don't really do anything with that because it's a myth. It's not real. Uh, and until I started paranormal investigating, I didn't even contemplate the idea of searching for Bigfoot. 
here I am. <laughs> I love that. And so uh, did you start the group that you're a part of or did you join it at some point? I joined it. No, I didn't start it. There's a, a woman. Uh, she has a YouTube channel. Her her name is Barb Shoop. And uh, her channel is uh, Squatching with Barb and Goldie. That's her dog. Um, so in 2016 or so, I started watching uh, van dwelling videos on YouTube. And for some reason, one of her videos popped up. And so I watched it and I found out she was in Washington State. And uh, every morning uh, of a camp out, we have a, a morning meeting, uh, give a day's report for what happened during the day yesterday and last night. And so that's what I was watching her, her videos on. And uh, I joined her Facebook page and uh, they were inviting new members. I had to write an essay to get in and I was accepted. And since uh, I think it was May of 2017, I've been been a member. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah, so I'm really curious. And um, when you were talking earlier about being in Texas, you know, Sasquatch or Bigfoot has such a reputation for being in the in the Pacific Northwest or like Northern California. What is the range of Bigfoot? Like, is this like a North American phenomenon? Is it global? What does that look like? Uh, well, it's global. It's not always called Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Um, even across the United States, it's not usually the same name. Um, different areas like Florida has the swamp ape or skunk ape. Uh, down in the Texas area I was in, they're called wood boogers. Uh, Missouri is Momo, Grassman. There, I mean, there's just a lot of different titles. Regional. Very cool. That's neat. So this may be a, a little early to jump into the, the big debate in the kind of Bigfoot world is, you know, there's kind of two camps. One camp is trying to explain that Bigfoot is uh, maybe an unidentified or undiscovered animal that lives, you know, among us very naturally. Um, but other groups are in a different camp that believe that Sasquatch Bigfoot is kind of uh, more of an interdimensional being, or there's something a little a little more spooky happening with it, as opposed to just being an animal that we haven't really got a good glimpse of yet. Do you yeah. do you fall in one of those camps, or? Um, I go back and forth. It's mm. uh, you know the more you learn, the more questions you ask. Um, so I try to listen to it all and see what makes sense to me. And one day it may be one thing and the next day another. But generally, I believe they're a flesh, flesh and uh, blood creature that lives in the forest uh, that may or may not travel between dimensions, uh, may or may not have connections with aliens, uh, but I, I believe they're flesh and blood. I believe they are a people, a tribe um, that we 
for whatever reason, they don't want to be associated with us on a daily basis. And uh, I, you know, we have to respect that, but um, yeah, they're people. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Cause I find that sometimes even if the, the, the direct thing itself is, you know, flesh and blood, sometimes the things that they bring with them, are so different. It's kind of like, um, this is a weird comparison, but um, Annalise Michelle is is the girl who um, the exorcism of Emily Rose was based off of. Uh -huh. And when, when, you, when you look at kind of her, her condition, it's, it's very clear that she had a mental illness. However, around her, so much stuff was happening. There was like hauntings, there was um, weird activity, paranormal stuff happening around it. So it's like, yes, that was a mental illness, but that wasn't the only thing that was going right. on. Kind of like similarly, we're like, you know, maybe this is an animal or, or another species, but there's there's such other stuff that comes with it a bit. Yes. Yeah. So do you find when you go out and do this sort of, I guess, cohabitation, I'm not sure what you would call it, yeah, um, yeah that, that they are often happy to see you out there? Do they seem to, to really want to engage with you? Um, I, I don't know if they're happy or not. Uh, I know they're curious. Um, and the younger ones are playful, mischievous. Uh, I don't know. We, we go to the same places every year. Uh, we go to four different sites a year, but we go every year to those sites. Um, so I feel like they know us. I feel like uh, they aren't threatened by us um, because uh, the intention we go in with is not to harm them or uh, necessarily expose them. Um, you know, I think it's about intent where that's concerned. So I don't know how they feel, you know, oh, those campers are back again. We got to listen to that drumming and laughing and whatever. But I really actually think it's mostly curiosity. That brings them mm. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate your um, compassionate approach to Bigfoot. It feels very compassionate instead of this like very masculine, like we're going to find Bigfoot and we're going to trap them and all of this, <laughs> um, which feels so invasive and, um, and violent even. And I really love like this cohabitation, like inviting them in and whatnot. It's really cool. Um, I do have a question for you, though. I've had many dreams about Bigfoot, and um, whenever I dream of Bigfoot, they are always very, they're a curious person. I'll just say that they're a person. Um, and whenever I've encountered them in my dreams, they are trying to hide from me. They're curious about me, but they're trying to hide themselves. And simultaneously, I've also heard many stories one of which was um, indigenous derived. And I'm going to paraphrase this in short, that in the early days of man and whatnot, um, Bigfoot roamed a little bit more freely. And when he encountered man, man was so terrified of Bigfoot and Bigfoot became like embarrassed, ashamed of themselves and then decided to hide is that a true, like, is that a story that's common? Because I don't know a whole lot about Bigfoot. This is just what I've heard in passing. I'm curious of your perspective of that. 
Um, well, I mean, it makes sense to me, but I don't, I don't have anything to back that up. I've heard many stories that, uh, like, uh, the Native Americans would uh, trade with Bigfoot. They would, uh, you know, be neighbors um, and, you know, like smoke fish, they'd give them and they'd bring them back gifts, whatever that might be, um, things like that. But I don't know about the hiding. I don't know what what happened to make that separation because I don't think it goes on anymore as far as the trading, the, the being, you know, tribes together. So, mm -hmm. but they're very elusive. Um, they are, they won't uh, let you see them unless they want to be seen. Or if it's like, oops, <laughs> you saw me kind of thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That's so interesting. And you hear too, like, um, that there's that there's so much going on with that because a lot of times people will describe um, almost uh, an ability to be invisible. And this is something that I, um, I actually had somebody, I was uh, at all places, um, a funeral and me being awkward as all hell and not knowing how to have a normal conversation. I found the only person there with a baseball cap on that had Bigfoot on him. And, yeah. and so I just went over to them and just started talking with them about Bigfoot because, you know, as you do. Um, and I was just kind of offhandedly, you know, have you, do you have a story? Uh, yeah, have you ever had an encounter? And they're like, actually, yeah. One time when I was, you know, pretty young, they were like a kid. Um, and they're like, and then I saw this thing and it was, it was like, it was invisible, but like, I could still see it. And I was like, did it look like in Predator when it uses the stealth mode? And you could see his reaction that that is exactly what he saw. And he had never put that together. And he was like, yes, that is exactly what that was like. Have, have you ever seen that before or, or kind of um, heard of it? I've heard of it in a few different areas, but. Yeah, uh, I haven't personally seen it, but um, there is actually a video that Barb Shoup did um, where she accidentally caught this on film. Um, it's called, uh, if you look up her channel, I think the video is titled The Cloaker. And um, what you can see in the video is something. I don't know that it was a Sasquatch, and neither does she, but something came out of a tree that was, like, pixelated mm -hmm. and camouflaged. And, but you can see it move through the trees and jump down. Uh, and it was a large being, whatever it was. Uh, so, yeah, I've heard of it. I've not seen it in person, I don't think. Uh, so that does happen. They can cloak. So interesting. Like elves. Yes. <laughs> and they do seem to be overall not aggressive. I mean, you know, you do hear certain stories about people, you know, being attacked or injured or things like that. But in, in a lot of the stories, I find that they only get aggressive if you are in a place where you're not supposed to be, or if you've kind of made the first move. So like, I've, I've heard stories about people who have like seen them and like opened fire on them and then have them get very aggressive with them or 
and even in the times where people seem to be trust, trespassing in their territory, they yeah. seem to be more trying to intimidate in order to get them to leave as opposed to just attacking them. And that's something that I feel like a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people, I think, sometimes feel like they're just like these very aggressive monsters. But I, I find in a lot of the stories that they they seem to try their best not to harm anyone or do anything un- unless it's really called for. Yeah. Um, and I agree. Uh, there could be many reasons why they might become aggressive. I mean, they could have their young with them. They could have just made a fresh kill of a deer or, you know, there's many reasons that could happen, but yeah, um, I agree with you. It could be territorial um, and uh, provoked uh, intentionally or unintentionally. Um, And in certain areas of the country, they seem to have a more aggressive uh, stance than in other areas like the South. Um, I've heard many stories about uh, like Texas, Louisiana, down along the coast there um, of them really being aggressive. Uh, And I don't know what the difference is. I don't know if it's, I don't know. I don't know how that, how that works, but generally here they're non-aggressive and they do interact. Yeah, I wonder if that has to do with, because I mean, I, I guess once you get down south too, especially in that particular area along the coast, there's so much going on there with the ecology and with, um, right. you know, the the wildlands or that and the preservation. But also too, I feel like sometimes, you know, the Pacific Northwest, we are definitely kind of, you know, gun-toting, wildernessy sort of people, but I'm not sure that we have the same, I, I guess, energy uh, towards these things as, as you might find in the south. So I don't know if that might be part of it as well. It it very well could be. And, uh, yeah, I don't think we we are as fear-based, maybe, as, I I don't, you know, don't want to offend anybody in the South. But, I mean, you hear scary stories about these creatures. And uh, here, scary things happen. But uh, we're not as fear-based here, I don't think. The people mm-hmm. I know, anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of volatile uh, creatures in the South, you know, alligators, venomous snakes, and all of that. So that could be a part of it, too. Because I grew up in Florida and grew up in the South. And um, I'm recalling an ex- a couple of experiences because I grew up in the swamps of Florida. And a couple of experiences where I did encounter um, like bog spirits or bog people who were cloaked in um, like um, algae and whatnot. And I remember one time uh, one of them came to my door when I was dreaming and I dream a lot. Um, and I don't really think they're dreams in many ways. I feel like they're, they're very spirit related encounters. Um, but there was a lot of um, mysticism in the swamps out there and a, a quite a bit of fear because a swamp is a, is quite an eerie place. There's a lot of venomous snakes and alligators creeping around and spiders and creepy crawlies and stuff. So I could see how that could be, um, there could be more fear around that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. They're not dreams. They do come and visit you. So. Yeah. Well, that's cool to have that affirmed that I've had some big, Bigfoot visitations in my dreams. You have. (laughs) 
that. There are, um, I, I, I've met one person um, who identifies themselves as a, um, as a Sasquatch psychic. Do, do you ever work with intuitives when you go out on these um, that try to kind of maybe communicate with them psychically or have you experienced that before? Uh, well, there's a, a something called MindSpeak that uh, I don't think I've personally experienced that, but many members of the group I go with have. Um, as far as psychics going out and directly, uh, I can't think of any. Uh, but there's so many intuitive people that go out there, you know, so and, and wouldn't claim to be psychic. So, yeah, I definitely think the bridge between kind of being an intuitive person and then also being open to something like a Sasquatch uh, kind of encounter is a, is a very narrow passage between those two things. Yeah, kind of yeah. Go from one to the other. Oh, I love that. Um, mm -hmm. So at this point, I think it would be awesome if we could launch into possibly um, a story of an encounter you've had. Um, I know that you've told me about a couple of them, but I don't know if there's anything that you would like to to share about something that you thought was neat or, or maybe um, something that kind of opened something for you or changed something for you. Yeah, uh, until uh, I think it was May of this year, yeah, May, I had never seen one. Uh, and you know, when you, um, it was, it was a very brief visual from the, the highway. Um, I was driving past an area. I'll just go ahead and tell you what happened. Um, uh, it's up near Greenwater where we do all our, our, uh, that's our base camping area and through Greenwater, um, there is a bunch of clear cuts where lumber companies have come in and just, you know, there's nothing out there but stumps. And because this is like old growth stuff, these are big stumps. Um, and there's a certain area I always look at as I'm driving into green water because I want to see something there. I want to see a Bigfoot. And uh, these stumps have been there for years and years and years, and they're um, they're you know like whitewashed, gray, um, obviously dead. Uh, but I was I was driving to the camp out that night or that evening. I saw a black stump next to a gray stump, and I had never noticed that before. And so your mind tries to make sense of these things when you see them. Um, so I thought, well, that is really odd that a burned out or charred stump would be in this pristine area, clear cut of gray stumps. Just by itself. <laughs> by itself. Uh, and so as I drove past, I glanced in my rear view mirror and the stump suddenly had a head. And it was one of those like double take things where you look again and the stump suddenly had an arm. And of course I was driving, you know, I, I couldn't like stop. Mm -hmm. And I probably wouldn't have, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know that I want to have <laughs> that kind of experience. But um, yeah, so I went to camp and I told people what I saw and they're like, oh, you saw you saw a Sasquatch, and I'm like, I, I don't know. I saw something. 
So I went back the next day uh, with one of my friends in the group, and there was no black stump there next to this big gray stump. And we took pictures, and I'm, well, she went up to the stump and stood, and she's five foot two, and she was half of what I saw. Um, oh, wow. Height wise. So we figure anywhere from eight and a half to 10 feet. Uh, there were no tracks or impressions, uh, but it was grassy, so, you know, there wouldn't be. So um, I guess I'm going to call that my first experience uh, because it certainly wasn't there and it, it wasn't like an elk or a deer or a bear. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't. I thought it was a stump. Those are (laughs) very different shapes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then uh, just recently in June, uh, I had a very close encounter. Um, We were camping up near Mossy Rock and uh, in a campground, a state campground, and... uh, I was setting up my my camping area, my campsite, and I have a uh, tent that goes over the back of the canopy on my truck. So I was getting that on. I was by myself, and, uh, you know, when you're setting stuff up, you're standing there, you're thinking about where things need to go and whatever. And I happened to look into the wood line, which was probably about 20, 25 feet from the back of my truck, And I saw something, and it uh, looked like Chewbacca without the belt. And I I stared at it for quite a few seconds, trying to think, you know, is that moss hanging a certain way? Is it Mm -hmm. branches that are bent a certain way that are making me... uh, think I see what I'm seeing, Um, but it wasn't. Um, I I don't know why, but I looked away, and then I looked back, and it wasn't there anymore. So um, it was about 60 feet from me. Uh, The sun was uh, behind it, so it was backlit. I could see the, the hair on the shoulders and the uh, upper arm kind of moving in the breeze gently and I did not see a face because that was in shadow um, but again it was it was a good size probably at least eight feet wow um, wow and it's one of those things for me you see that and you're did I really is that what that was so I've had two visuals this summer. Wow. Yeah. So. I would have shat myself. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, you know, normally I would too, but I I was just like perplexed. Like, what am I seeing? Mm -hmm. And if it had still been there when I look back, I may have just dismissed it totally. But it was gone. He's disappearing Sasquatch. <laughs> so, they like to do wow. that. <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah. 
cool. Um, Cause you know, when I moved to the Pacific Northwest, I had never heard of Sasquatch howling. I'd never heard of this story or uh, heard that they howl. And um, when I was in herbalism school, we were on a camping trip and I have never had um, that I know of encounters with Bigfoot. I have spent a lot of time in the woods and weird things have happened, but I've never that I know of have had a brush up with uh, Bigfoot. And um, my herb school teacher was telling a story that he took two gentlemen out into the woods to do a mushroom picking camp. And they were in um, southern Washington around like the Gifford Pinchot National Forest and whatnot, which to me is a very Sasquatchy territory, in my opinion. I've been through there and it's it has a peculiar quality to it. And uh, they made camp one night and near them was a uh, like a cliff wall. So they were kind of like surrounded and, and cocooned around this uh, cliff wall. So there was like a good echo and the two guys that my teacher was with were drinking whiskey and they were getting a little wily and they were hooping and hollering and whatnot. And when it felt, when they fell silent, a howl echoed off into the forest and they, they all fell silent. And then a moment later it howled again, but it was closer. And it sounded like a, sh- a woman you know, like howling. And then it happened again, but closer, like it was on the edge of their camp and just howling and whatnot. And they scrambled, they went out and like had their torches and they were looking around trying to find any footprints. And to me, I would be like, that's the last thing I would go do is go (laughs) looking in the dark (laughs) for Bigfoot. So you know, these two guys were drunk and my, I think my earth school teacher was not drinking at that time. And, um, he, when, when everything quieted down, he went out and made an offering to kind of quiet things because I, in, from what I understood of the story, they had disturbed whoever was out there and, and caused offense. So my herb school teacher, he, he was kind of giving us a teachable moment. He was like, what would you have done? And I was like, I would have made an offering. I would have left a gift to say, I am sorry. So that was a really eerie story that I had heard. Um, and I'd never heard about the howling before. I would love to hear a Bigfoot howl personally. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I can do haunted houses. I can deal with demons living under people's beds and things like that. But if I was in that campsite when the howling began, there would have just been just smoke in the shape of where I was. And I would have been in the next county by then. I would have just been like, no, goodbye. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that. (laughs) But uh, because... Here's the thing. I'm a scary cat. I, even though I go into haunted houses and uh, it took a, you know, the first time you go into a haunted house or you're doing an investigation, it's pretty nerve wracking. At least it was for me. Um, But, you know, you get used to it and you start doing the things you need to do and uh, you go on with it. Um, But as far as Bigfoot, um, I don't want one like when I sleep in the back of my truck, I cover the windows. I don't want one looking in the windows at me because I don't want to be scared. 
Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. So, but the howls, uh, I'm thrilled when I hear one. I do that too with my truck because I do a lot of truck camping myself and I always cover my windows because it would just be a nightmare to roll over and see two pair of eyes staring right back at you. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I get teased about it because uh, most people sleep in their tents, but uh, not me. I'm in, you know, a a tank. (laughs) Yeah. Something metal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like that. There's that old scary story about someone who's like lost in the woods and they find this cabin at night. And so they're like, okay, well, I'll just sleep in here tonight. And it's decorated with like these really weird like paintings that are like black, but like with weird, like kind of grimacing faces on them and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, that's weird. Like whatever. And then they go to sleep and they wake up in the morning and it's super bright in there because they weren't paintings. They were windows. Oh, God. And I'm like, nope, no, oh, no, no. I have not heard that one before. <laughs> no, thank you. Ab- no. Absolutely not. Oh, no. no. Um, but there, there is something that kind of, and it's, it's so weird because the Bigfoot phenomenon shares so much with other types of kind of what we call, I guess, weird, you know, phenomena where things like Skinwalker Ranch and whatnot, where a lot of times areas where people will have a lot of Bigfoot activity, there will also be the presence of things like um, either UFOs or, or weird lights or things like that. Is that something that you have experienced as well, um, kind of doing what you've done? Yes, um, the lights especially. Um, I have seen strange things in the sky uh, while out doing this. Uh, in fact, last year in the Blue Mountains, uh, as a group, we saw a triangle ship. Um, we think it, I forget the, the call letters for them. Uh, the government makes them. They're our government. Uh, and we think that's what it was. It's huge, huge. Um, and it, it was just slowly moving across the sky. It wasn't trying to hide itself. Um, it had some kind of escort with it, a single, like a jet, but mm. the thing itself had no sound. And uh, we were all just thrilled to see this. Um, and that night, while we sat around our campfire drumming, I mean, we'd get some drum sessions going, and uh, we were on a ridge. And I, They say it was about two miles away. It sounded a lot closer to me, but I I don't know about distances at night in the mountains. So Mm -hmm. um, for 20 minutes that night after seeing that crap, we heard uh, screams uh, like, I don't know how. You can listen to it again. There's a video on it. Um, Just screams like walking through the valley below us. For 20 minutes and you just put down your drums and you listen and you're grateful because you got to have this experience it was it since chills down your spine more in amazement than anything else oh my god this is happening um so, yeah, that connection with a UFO that night, I don't know if they're connected, but it's, you know, those two things happened within a short span of time. Yeah. Wow. And it's, 
It's always wow. fun because they seem disconnected, but yet they travel together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, also in, in the blue mountains, uh, the first time I went up there, so it had been 2017, um, I was asleep in the back. I had a different vehicle. I was asleep in the back of my uh, Explorer, and I heard something uh, lift the door latch on the back door, and it woke me up, and I thought, oh, I am not going to turn over and see what that was. (laughs) I'm just not. Um, And I wasn't far from other campers, and we have a rule. You don't mess with anyone. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't want to do that. So I knew it wasn't any of our campers. And um, so I was on my side and heard that behind me. And I looked out the window I was facing and I saw a light. And another hard, fast rule is we don't use bright white flashlights. Shine them. I mean, if you were in the dark and someone did that to you. Uh, So we respect them in that way. We use a red light or a green light. But anyway, I saw this light. It seemed to be coming up the hill that I was parked on. And it went up a big tree that was right next to my truck. And it was the brightest, whitest light. I I can't even imagine a flashlight that bright. But that's what I interpreted it to be. It looked, it was bouncing like someone was holding it and walking up the hill. And it went up this tree and then it just kind of enveloped the tree, went up, and it never lost intensity. But then a blue light that was much softer came down the tree and covered it up. I don't know what that was about. Uh, nobody was out at that time of night. Nobody would use a white light. We, I mean, I asked. You know, um, and then I, I don't remember anything till the next morning. Slept great. Wow. Oh, now when you say the blue mountains, do you mean the blue mountains of Oregon? Uh, Eastern Washington. Which, okay. It's, they're connected. Wow. That's where I live. I live in the blue mountains of upper Northeastern Oregon. So that's. Definitely yeah. gonna make me think twice when I go camping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch yeah. for the lights. Yeah, and that's where I grew up too. And there's those those woods are just I don't know, there's something going on for yeah. sure. There yeah. is. Oh, this is so fascinating. So I just absolutely love your approach to this as far as kind of like being respectful, being compassionate, and uh I, I think that there's a lot to be said as far as having kind of um, almost playful curiosity when it comes to interacting with this phenomena, whether it's Bigfoot or we're seeing this a lot with kind of um, like a Hellier that just came out and all of that, um, you know, trying to find the goblins and the mines and whatnot, um, that the phenomena kind of likes you to, to have a little bit of a compassionate interaction with it and kind of just being open to the experience of it all, but do you have um, advice for anyone who's who's looking to also do similar work um, that, they, that you would like to give them? Or, well, uh, I would say be yourself if you go out in the woods. Uh, 
is when you go out there, it's like you're camping in someone's front yard. So you don't want to be a bad neighbor. You you wouldn't appreciate if someone camping in your front yard walked right through your front door, did what they wanted to do, you know, and started grilling you and, you know, taking pictures of you and just, you know, just be respectful and have good intent. And if it's going to happen, it will. You, you really can't make it happen. Um, you can put your intent out there and that's all I do. And I believe that's all anyone in the group does. We will gift, but we don't gift food. Um, and sometimes they will gift back. And if that's all you get, that's all you get. That's wonderful. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Be wow. yourself and be respectful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's their home, you know, so well, thank you so much, Terry. This has been amazing, and I, I love hearing these stories, and I know that everyone here on the podcast uh, is, is going to love it as well. Um, and let us know if you ever want to come back and tell us more weird woo-woo stories, and uh, we will get it underway. So that's going to be great, and thank you so much. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you so much. And where could people find your work? Do you have any writing or website or anything like that? Uh, no, I, I would suggest going to uh, YouTube and uh, looking at, uh, it's called Squatching with Barb and Goldie. She's got hundreds of videos on there and you'll see me on there. And we just talk about our experiences and, um, you know, people seem to enjoy that. And they share their experiences on there as well. So, squatching with Barb and Goldie—that sounds like everything I would like to hang out with. So. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, you have a wonderful day, Terry. And for everyone else out there who's listening to this, remember: do witchcraft. Do it. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.